Hey guys, it's Susan Eisenberg. Some of you may recognize my voice from Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, where I voiced Wonder Woman. And I'm here because Seth was gracious enough to let me come and promote my new business. It's called SoapCon Live, and it's a Comic-Con for soap operas. So if you're like me and you're a huge soap opera fan, go to SoapConLive.com. We're going to be featuring virtual free live panels on May 1st with some of your favorite soap stars from General Hospital, As the World Turns, One Life to Live, and The Doctors. So visit our website, SoapConLive.com, to find out how you can watch the panels and order meet and greets, autographs, and video greetings from your favorite soap stars. And stay tuned. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is episode 230, and this is a continuation from last week. Rob Paulson was so good, and it was so in-depth that... I had to split this into two weeks. If you are not a Rob Paulson fan, I'm so sorry. Next week, we'll go back to regular superhero talk because it'll be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right now, I've seen five, and they are amazing. Six is coming out, and we will review number the whole series uh, coming up next week. But this week, it's about Mr. Paulson, uh, the Detroit, Michigan native. Uh, he is a guy over... 250 different animated characters, a thousand commercials, Emmy winner, uh, has his own podcast. It's it's fascinating. Uh, in this part of the conversation, we get into some serious stuff. We talk more about the reboot with Hulu and how Animaniacs is now back. We also talk about race in animation, and it's something we've done in the past on this podcast. And Rob Paulson has played multiple races, and he has some very strong but very poignant opinions about that issue. We also have a sneak little peek from Kevin Conroy himself, Batman, uh, and I'll let Rob explain the whole bit. He made an appearance on a podcast that was truly remarkable. So without further ado, let's welcome back Rob Paulson. Um, it was very funny when we had Jess Arnell on, I had only seen, I think the first four episodes of Animaniacs. So I think it's episode five where you find out that this collector, 
took all of the old characters, Slappy Squirrel and Buttons and Mindy and all of these. This is the segue of a lifetime. Um, <laughs> the idea uh, that was it just hard to cast all those folks? Was it hard to get everybody? Was it a budgetary thing? Just the idea that in, in a typical Animaniacs episode, you never knew who you were going to see, but in a current Animaniacs episode, you're going to see Yakko, Wacko, Dot, Pinky, and the Brain. Right. Um, well, again, it's my own uh, thoughts on it. Um, I, I can only assume that the decision was made to bring back uh, the core group uh, remember, Pinky and the Brain was um, not its own entity at the beginning of Animaniacs. It was part of the Umbrella Correct. variety uh, show, like Good Feathers or Mindian Buttons or whatever. Uh, but I can only imagine, and it makes sense, that they thought, we're going to bring back the, the core group and maybe come up with some brand new original side characters, characters. They, which they've done. Um, there are a couple of characters that are recurring, like the new studio exec is a female. Yeah, that's be a guy named, played by Frank Welker called Studio Plots, uh, called Mr. Plots. Mr. Plots, right? With Frank Frank Welker playing that, but now it's a I, I don't know the actress, but uh, so that was a conscious choice. Um, however, I also believe that clearly they listened to the fan base. I, I know that, and I can I can um, I can express other examples maybe down the road at another time about how I know that. But uh, the, the reason I, I throw that into the mix is that there could very well be an opportunity for them to say, you know what, we got the fan base juiced up and they really are talking a lot about Slappy. They're really talking a lot about maybe doing uh, the good feathers. Buttons and Mindy were the f hilarious. And buttons. Okay, Nancy, I love you, bye-bye. Right, that was Nancy Cartwright, whom you guys know as Bart, and um, and Frank Welker, um, our favorite talking animal. Um, but it would make perfect sense, in my view, to say, you know what? Let's get a season number three, and let's plug in a couple of the old characters, and we'll we know by virtue of these crazy metrics that I that I referenced how big the show is. It may, stands to reason that if we brought in good feathers and Mindy and buttons or whatever, that we could promote those shows and see how they fare. Uh, and maybe you guys spoofed that they were all stuffed on the wall. That was hysterical. Yeah. That and that hysterical. is not an accident. Of course and not. They know what they're doing. And um, so I would never again, if you had asked me even five years ago, if you, if what would you think if Animaniacs came back on blah, 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 or Hulu or, I, just said, oh, I wouldn't oh, have believed. I, I I didn't believe when I saw the press release. I was stunned. me neither. From your lips to God's checkbook, I, I never would have imagined. Not only that, we have an unqualified hit, and uh, uh, we are referenced often in pop culture. I can, I could send you half a dozen Tonight Show references. Really? Where Jimmy Fallon does a, a knockoff of an Animaniacs song, or um, Stephen Colbert uses Pinky in the Brain to lampoon Putin and Trump. I, that means that you are part of the culture, baby. Yeah. And it just doesn't get any bigger. Um, so I, I am not only profoundly grateful, 
but I'm in the loop now. Sure. And I get to see this stuff and I'm going, God, listen, if they did two episodes with Mindy and Buttons and then one with Good Feathers and one with with uh, Slappy Squirrel and uh, Good idea, bad idea. Oh my God. Oh my God. He'd be back in a heartbeat to do that. People would be like, oh my God, where did that come from? And like I said, it, it, none of that is a critique. That's, you, you, no, it's Animaniacs is not a show you critique. You critique shows where I don't like the way it ended. Or, you know, we, yeah. one of the things on this podcast we do a lot is we talk about plots. You know, plots yes. is, you know, because it's, it, that's what the story is. You know, Tom Holland is great as Spider-Man. His character is dumb. It's, it's just yeah. stupid. It's hey, listen, it, listen. But Tom my, Holland's not stupid. No, of course. My son and my, and my standard line, Ryan Reynolds, uh, and I've said this on the podcast hundreds of times. Cool. Ryan Reynolds was great in Green Lantern. It's not his fault he fought a clown. Yeah. Yes. Great point. And I love Ryan Reynolds. Voiced by Clancy Brown, by the way. Right. And I love Clancy. I've had him on my podcast two or three yeah, times. And never got it. We'll sit with you all day. And every time that you tell him, oh, my God, when you were Clancy, not only was lost, must watch TV. When you were on that show, Clancy, I was transfixed. And I know you. Oh, Robbie, come on. Yeah. And I mean, he just sit there all day long. Go, Yeah, but how many times have you sung Yakko's world? Oh, Clancy, please. He goes, well, see, same thing. And I said, well, then it's honor among thieves because you are a freaking yes. world. I, I, I can. I know where I was. I was driving to Syracuse, New York, and I heard you interview Clancy, Clancy Brown, and oh, I don't remember it. Real it's, deal. it's so but, funny. But your point about about these characters, uh, like and, and specific iterations. My son loves the Batman franchise. Mm -hmm. He loves Chris Nolan. You know, he loves mm -hmm. Mike Keaton, all of that stuff. But I am telling you the God's truth. If my son were on a desert island, the typical stuff. And there was one superhero show he had to watch the rest of his life. It would be the animated series for him. Batman. And I admit a lot of people in his age group, Kevin and Mark are Batman and the Joker respect, respectively. End of story. And he's they're, uh, they're seen in your son would agree. They're seen in uh, that movie, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Oh. The flashback scene where the Joker he, dies and, and, and they kidnap Tim Drake and you're like, why, where did this go? I would oh say to Christopher Nolan, did you have, and, and I love those movies too, but did you do anything like that? About that. When Kevin Conroy says, I'll break you in two, I yep. get chills. It's great. Listen, chills. It, it, acting is acting. And oh. I don't know if you heard the episode on my podcast. I went, the, the last version was on Nerdist and it was on camera. And I had Kevin on with Paul Dini and um, Alan Burnett. And at the end of every one of the, the, uh, Alan Burnett. Yeah. Just Alan Burnett found out we do a podcast called the hall of justice. He goes, you know, I made that thing. And I go, I know you did. <laughs> Please don't sue us. So <laughs> utterly devoid of pretense. It's you just want to put your arm around him and say, Oh, Alan, such a great guy. Bless your heart. You have no freaking idea how revered you are uh. in the populace. Okay. So again, that's part of his charm. Sure. And, and, so I'm sitting there with two, you know, three dear friends, Kevin, Paul, and uh, Alan, all of whom are iconic in this realm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at the end of every live I action, think I heard this. I don't think I heard this. Oh my, oh, you, I'll send it to you. I, I, I can find it. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the 
of every one of those, we would take whichever, uh, whoever the, the guest was and ask them to read. To read, you do a script. Yeah, as our characters. something, yes. But, but something that was utterly anathema or, or right. completely different. Or a like, scene from a movie or right, like the right. scene in Pulp Fiction, you'll, you'll have. Right. Maurice right. Pinky in the Brain doing Pulp Fiction. Okay, right. and it's hysterical. It's very funny. But in this case, the producer was so smart he chose a scene from um, the Dark Knight Returns, where oh, uh, you know the Joker is talking to. Um, I'm sorry, Batman is talking to Commissioner Gordon uh, about there's always going to be evil and you know all of that stuff. Yeah. A really deep scene, and um, I played Gary Oldman, and yeah, of course yeah, yeah, yeah. played Batman. Right, and. Um, let me tell you something uh, 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 um, that, you know, the Joker, you know, the Joker's not going to win. He's the Joker's done. He goes, no, the Joker you know, sometimes blah, 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 sometimes blah, blah. I mean, it just was. Oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about okay. it. That's, that's Let me incredible. Tell you this. this is how much it means to Kevin and Alan and Paul. We didn't, we didn't rehearse it. We just did it. Kevin, of course, killed it. And I, when they pull back to see all four of us after we get done with this 45 second, one minute piece, minute and a half, whatever. Yeah. Kevin is visibly like shaken. Paul is wiping a tear out of his eye and, and Alan is kind of averting his eyes and just looking at the desk. <laughs> And, and I'm telling you what, all the, the, the crew were, you know, 30, 25, 30 years old, and they were dumbstruck. The Joker won. All of Harvey's prosecutions, everything he fought for, undone. Whatever chance you gave us of fixing our cities dies with Harvey's reputation. We bet it all on him. The Joker took the best of us and tore him down. People will lose hope. They won't. They must never know what he did. Five dead, two of them cops. You can't sweep that up. But the Joker cannot win. Gotham needs its true hero. No. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I can do those things because I'm not a hero. Not like Dent. I killed those people. That's what I can be. No, you can't, you're not. I'm whatever Gotham needs me to be. Call it in. They'll hunt you. You'll hunt me. You'll condemn me. Set the dogs on me. Because that's what needs, that's because that's what needs to happen. Because sometimes the truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people deserve more. Sometimes people deserve to have their faith rewarded. Isn't that the coolest hey, thing? I know, right? Yep. Yep. Look at that. And you know, you should. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. That was a cold reading. All it does is to show that when it's done right, it doesn't matter that it's voice acting or on camera acting or cartoon writing. It's timeless. It's, it's executed at a high level. And I can tell you categorically that every one of those kids who were there We'll never forget it. 
And the number of fans, if I bring that up, they go, are you kidding me? I've seen that. Welcome. You've got mail. If you're into tech, you're going to be into tech stream. What is it? It's a new podcast because that's what the world needs. More podcasts. I'm Seth Everett and he is Shelly Palmer. Hey, Seth, I am Shelly Palmer. At least last time I looked and the world does need one new tech podcast because there just aren't enough tech podcasts, except this really isn't only going to be about tech. No, and it's not going to be something that only experts and let's face it, nerds are going to know. And it's also not going to be for dummies. We're not going to tell you how to turn on your location services. As a matter of fact, we're not going to tell you anything. What we are going to do, though, is make you aware of some of the most interesting things that are happening. What's new? What's next? What it might mean? Why you might care? And by the way, how it's going to change your life. It's TechStream with Seth Everett and Shelley Palmer. You can find it on Underdog Podcasts and wherever you get your shows. All right. Um, I do want to tackle one thing uh, that is uh, a subject that we've discussed on this podcast a bunch, uh, and it has to deal directly with voice acting, oh. and that is... Um, race in oh, animation yes. uh we did an episode episode for for the audience it's episode 191 uh where we discuss uh race in animation it was on the heels of mike henry uh saying he wouldn't voice cleveland brown again uh and i learned some things about that situation that's much more of a it's very derogatory toward black people i kind of understood it uh jenny slate Mm -hmm. uh isn't uh doesn't voice uh i think it's her name is mitzi uh on on that show big mouth right. uh the nick kroll show and she chose but then i saw rosario dawson do a a, a recurring role as wonder woman and i didn't think twice about it yeah. uh i looked at all the different races of the actors who have played the joker over the years with kevin michael richardson and mark hamill and and there's more, uh, you know, there's more to it. And I always got the sense and I kind of think, and I'm not trying to pin this on you, but I, I kind of got the sense from listening to your podcast that one of the beauty things about being a voice actor is you literally can be anything. Correct. And what I would hate to think is that you wouldn't now cast Rosario Dawson as Wonder Woman because that's not, because she's not white. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, that makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, if you don't want to touch it, it's fine. I just thought along the lines of from a voice animation, I don't, I thought that while you should never have Fisher Stevens putting on blackface any anymore in, in, in a short circuit, mm -hmm. that's live action and animation is different. And what race is Yakko and what race is Pinky? You know, you, you see where I'm going with this. I do. And I love that you brought it up. Um, I have had my own uh, anecdotal and, and real experience in that realm. Um, I think the general tenor of that argument is that if the character, not the actor, but if the character uh, in a particular animated project is of a specific race, that 
in this time, in this day and age, when we purport to be more sensitive, and don't get me wrong, I understand that the pendulum swings sometimes a little far one way or the other. Um, but in this particular instance, I, I'm very sensitive to the idea that an actor of a specific race should be hired to play an animated character of that race. And I'll explain. Okay. When you're talking about Rosaria Dawson as Wonder Woman, it, it doesn't concern me one lick that you have a, a woman of color or a man of color playing a character that has thus far been uh, a, a, see, apparently a, a Caucasian character. But she's been, she was drawn in right. the episodes where it's her voice, she's right. drawn as a Caucasian person. Right. And I honestly, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. I think part of that is because I'm, I'm an old Hollywood dog, Seth. I've seen how much work I get um, or, or how much work that is available to me simply because I sound and look like a white guy. Okay. So I'm, I'm a little more sensitive than the average person because I work every day. However, the first regular series I got in animation was Johnny Quest, uh, a reboot of Johnny Quest. I'm not old enough to have been the original. I was going to say, Tim <laughs> not that old. Yeah, Tim <laughs> was the uh, original Johnny Quest, and I was a big fan. That used to be an ABC primetime show in uh, the mid-60s, and I was a huge fan of Johnny Quest. So the other, uh, Johnny's best buddy uh, is an East Indian character named Haji wearing you know, a, a turban and all that, very stereotypical, and no one thought anything of it. But also no one any th thought anything of uh, Sam Jaffe, uh, a Caucasian actor who played uh, Gunga Din in the movie Gunga Din from you know, the 1930s or 1940s. Right. Obviously, you know, Al Josen, all that stuff. So I didn't know whether it was a Caucasian boy or an Indian, East Indian boy who played the voice of Haji. Uh, when I got hired, I did a pretty good in, you know, impression of what Haji sounded like when I used to watch the show uh, when I was a little boy. Sim, sim, salabim, careful, Johnny. It looks like a pterodactyl. Ah! And, it, and it, it was fine, okay, for, for that project. However, since then, we see the rise of Bollywood and, and wonderful actors um, of all ethnic backgrounds so that were Johnny Quest to come, uh, 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 were to be rebooted now, and the character of Haji was going to be rebooted uh, to be authentic to the ethos of Johnny Quest, mm -hmm. I would absolutely recuse myself from reading for it. Really? Because now we know that there are hundreds of actors in LA, New York, Hollywood, uh, Delhi, Calcutta, London, wherever there are actors, they can all connect just like you and I are in real time. And since we don't need to have most of the time, the actors in Hollywood to do an animated voice, I prefer to be in studio when you know, we're back to doing it once the COVID is over. But uh, I do believe that if you're going to hire, or rather if you have an animated Native American actor, hire Wes Studi, hire Graham Greene, hire Michael Horse, hire uh, 
an authentic Native American actor. Or if you're going to do um, the shredder, uh, or or if you're going to be uh, like on the, uh, there was a version of Ninja Turtles I did from 2012 to 2016 uh, for Viacom on Nickelodeon, which I got to be another Ninja Turtle. I was Donatello for five more years. Right. And Master Splinter, who was in the original ethos, is an Asian martial arts expert who was down on his luck living in New York. Okay. Now, so in our version, the, the Ninja Turtles on 2012, the incredibly talented and wonderfully gifted and profoundly decent human. Um, my train of thought just let me as part of the uh, Hoon Lee. Hoon Lee, who you guys recognize from uh, uh, Banshee, the series. Um, um, I think he's on something else now called Warrior. But he's a wonderful Korean-American actor. And he was Master Splinter in our version. Now, I love uh, Pete Renaday, who is the original Master Splinter from the original show. Sure. Even Pete, but that was from 1987. It's a different time. It's a different right. time. I understand that. Yeah. But but this, this I thought it had to do with the subject. For example, yeah. if Mike Henry is going to make fun of black people or be self-deprecating as Cleveland, then right. an African-American person should be Cleveland Brown. But I don't want to see if they decide to bring back Samurai Jack. Can Phil Lamar well, not do it? Like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. I I just thought that if the character is, in essence, raceless, it's right. not how they're drawn. It's it's what their character is. Right. And in Jenny Slate's situation, I didn't even know it was Jenny Slate. And I like Jenny Slate. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't know who th 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 that it was. And I would hate to think that that voice needs to be different because no one's getting offended here. That's not the root of the problem. And I'm as much of an ally as anything. But if oh, we yeah. want to talk about cops, let's talk about cops, not cartoons. No, I understand. And that's where there's an old phrase that my mother-in-law used to say is we're digging up snakes to kill them. And I know that there will be people who say, well, of course, there are two white guys talking about this. And I, I, have, I find myself in a relatively unique position, not only career-wise, because uh, I, I can speak with authority on the subject, but also personally. Um, I, uh, my sweet boy, whom I would, any of us, I would give my life for my child. And same with my daughter-in-law. Um, and my daughter-in-law happens to be from Nigeria. And so I have a unique insight into what some people might find offensive. And I can tell you that in my particular instance, I don't have any of this that uh, my son or daughter-in-law would take uh, exception with. However, as I said earlier, I think necessarily sometimes in a macro view, and I, and I love talking about this because it, yeah, it's cartoons, but the issue is an existential issue that is, that is at the forefront, right? Of our, of our experience, literally as humans right now. And so I do think that the pendulum might have to swing a little further one way to kind of find a respectful, natural, organic balance. I don't really know. I not that. Being, yeah, not being uh, a, uh, 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 an expert 
on race relations or certainly not an expert on what it's like to not be a white person. Uh, I know that, that I specifically have made it clear that I would never do a character of a different ethnicity if the ethnicity was germane to the character. To the character. That, yes. That's but that's the point. That's Correct. and if and and everything is up to the producer and the sensibilities of of those involved. If Samurai Jack is a great example, because then we literally have kind of bananas on bananas in an ethnic sense. Phil Lamar is a black American voicing what appears to be an Asian character on a show created by a white guy. So your question is relevant. And we're not talking about Robert Downey Jr. in um, uh, what was that show in which he wore Oh, uh, Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Or, or you know, even... No, no, because Fisher Stevens was on this podcast and we right. addressed it. Uh, you know, he, he was, he played, um, I don't remember his character's name, but he was the guy who said, Johnny, number five, number five, you know, the, the uh, in Short Circuit. Uh, yeah, and we're not talking about that. But uh, it, it, as I said, it does beg the question that at what point do we just shrug it off and go, ah, that's not that big a deal. Well, for me, I, I had to take a bit of a breath and say, okay, if I purport to be open-minded and wanting to understand, that means that I have to have, in my case, 60 plus years of uh, life experience. And what I choose to say, Jesus, come on, can't we, can't we worry about unemployment or, or you know, the, the, the health care that seems to be disproportionately meted out? You know, all of those, Correct. you know, for cartoons, Jesus Christ, I, I, I get that. And so I, I had to say, okay, well, it's really not up for me, up to me to decide what's a big deal and what isn't. I also did half a dozen episodes of um, The Boondocks, um, mm -hmm. which is a... That's on HBO An Max now, I believe. Right. Centered around uh, a Black family, Black experience, created by an African-American guy. Um, and uh, I was hired always to be a Caucasian performer. Most of the time, a racist Caucasian performer. To I never make saw Boondocks, but really, wow. Yeah. And Aaron Magruder, the African-American uber talented gentleman who created the comic strip and ran uh -huh. the animated version hired me and I'll never forget this. I had to get over myself as a, as a white American because there was a, a show I was hired on uh, to be um, an episode in which I played a character who was, you know, a, your stereotypical fella from down south with a Confederate battle flag on his trick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he had to scream the N word in the context of this show oh wow and the episode and our lovely andrea romano whom we know from directing batman animania yeah, yeah. That. all of it she has so many emmys she dresses them in bambi clothes uh, barbie clothes but yeah that's another bucket list for this podcast right. oh, we love her but i remember they weren't getting the level of vile that they needed from me and and i remember aaron saying robbie Come on, go for it. 
And I thought I was doing it. But again, my daughter-in-law is African. Oh, wow. She lives here and she's, you know, uh, and, and, I, and she loves the boondocks. But my sensibilities as a respectful... Just a human being. Caucasian American yeah. had nothing to do with my acting. It was Aaron who was able to help me get out of my shell because it was the one time in my career when I had a problem doing what I was being paying, paid well to do. And it was a great learning experience because it was Aaron who pushed me and said, no, no, look, you've got me. I'm hearing, you're hearing me tell you, I want you to scream that word. I still can't say it. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Right? It's wild. But I'm screaming it at the top of my lungs and they were like, beautiful. And it worked perfectly in the context of the message Aaron wanted to get across. But as it was really hard for me to do it. Oh, so sure. I thought, wow, you know what? Maybe you need to respect this and, and look at it a little bit. I'm like you in that I say, you know, look, if you got a person who's from Mars and it works with the character, I'm fine. But in my experience, if we now understand that there are characters of specific ethnic backgrounds, if, if you've got a Japanese character and you want him, then hire Keone Young right. or uh, Clyde Kuzatsu. No, These that's fine. No, we've established if, yeah. if, if, if race is in any way involved or, or what, what you said was much more eloquent, if their ethnicity is in yeah. any way tied to the character, Yes, but if you're casting Darkseid, who's a shade of gray, right. it, it can be, you know, you can it be It wouldn't purple. bother me a lick. Um, right. And, I, and I, I do think- Right, Andre Brower, Michael Ironsides. Oh, it's the same thing, and they both were brilliant as Darkseid. Sure. And I would think that, um, for instance, if Mickey Mouse, if they decided, Disney um, decided that they found an actor with a giant casting call, that is a franchise character at a giant franchise, the biggest franchise, right? I don't think for a moment, personally, that Disney would have a problem casting an actor of any color to do Mickey. Well, no. Right. I don't think they would. I don't have proof. Right. It, I think they it, would. The, right. Actions speak louder than words. Right. I, and, I, and, I get it. Right. So I understand it's really kind of nuanced. But it is a really important discussion. And I really, seriously, appreciate you um, letting me ramble on about my take on it. No, and I appreciate your candor. Like I said, I've had, we've done episodes on it. It was something that I thought should be addressed because you can do it from a position of, of, of love. And you yeah. can do it from, a, from it, it, it's, it's, it's the genre that we're talking about. It, it fits completely. Uh, we wrap this podcast, and like I said, it's been an honor to have you here. I always ask about uh, social media. Um, is oh, it yeah. something that you embrace? Is it something that you, has it helped you? Has it just been a great side part of your life? Some people have used it in great details to make great statements. You know, Tara Strong is yeah. a, she, she, she's passionate about her social media. Uh, yeah. I think of Susan Eisenberg. I love following her on, on Twitter. Um, how does social media fit in your life? I am totally embracing it, Seth, uh, because I, uh, before COVID happened, I, like where we met, I used to do, I don't know, 10, 12 conventions a year around the world. 
I never really knew until I, until I started doing about eight or nine years ago, really in earnest. I never knew how deeply people connected with these characters. And I've been able to touch on it today and some really wonderful examples. But I can't get enough of that fan interaction. I cannot. I always tell people, I don't give a damn if you buy something or not. The reason we have to charge is so we can offset the cost for the promoters to bring us there. Yeah. I try to keep whatever I have to charge, you know, but I always tell people right away, I'm going to be at goofball con in Schenectady and here, you know, you can go online and see what my autograph prices are. But honestly, folks, I don't care if you buy anything. If you want to are, are kind enough to wait in line, I want to meet you. I want to hear what, why these characters mean something to you. I want to see what happens to your face when, when I say, uh, are you going to finish that croissant? I, you know, I, 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 I love that experience. So I embrace social media and I'm glad I did because it allows me to connect with people on a huge level. And when this podcast, this glorious hour and a half that I was spending with my friend, Seth Everett, I get to say, Hey, to my, I don't know, collectively 400,000 followers on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever the drug of choice. Yeah. I'm going to blast it out all over all That's of great. them. And the bottom line is, at the very least, at the very least, you and I are going to make people happy. That's it. At the, at the very least. But inevitably, there will be a few people listening to this wonderful chat for whom the issues we touch on are bigger than just a laugh are about, mm -hmm. but for Animaniacs, my childhood was in the crapper, but for Ninja Turtles, my son's chemotherapy would have been impossible for my wife and I to deal with. And Ninja Turtles got literally our child through it. It's not about Rob Paulson and that's not false modesty. And frankly, with all due respect, it's not about Seth Everett either. It's sure. about what we're doing and, and we literally are all in this together. And there's never been a time on the, in the planet's history in which that's been more true. So existentially, what we're doing is a big effing deal, my yeah, friend. And because we're all this, in this together and because social media allows us to do that, shame on us if we don't touch on important issues to stir the conversation, to get somebody to write you an email that says, Seth, I heard this chat <laughs> and my friend, you must have been reading my mind. There That's are people who listen to this podcast that are hearing this going, he's doing the the, the clothes, right. you're, do, you're doing it. No, it's just, you're clairvoyant because oh this is how I end it. the show. What you're saying is how Great. I end the show. Well, like minds, right? I That's so funny. <laughs> I can go to, I go to sleep every night saying, oh my God, I got to wear black and blue sleeves all day because I have my arms are black and blue from pinching myself. So I got to wear long <laughs> sleeves. And I get it. And the reason I get it is because of social media. And people say to me, this is my autistic son. He was nonverbal until he heard Yakko's world. And Yakko's world taught him to first sing, but then speak. And when we got a hold of his teacher, his special needs teacher, she said, you know what? I don't give a damn what it is. It gets him out of his head. 
That is essentially what right. autism is about. Yep. If Yakko Warner does it, I don't know right. if he knows who I am. It doesn't matter. Right. It's not about my freaking autograph. It's about that sweet young boy at 11 years old started to learn to speak for Christ's sake. That's, That's what our talking is about. So thank yeah. you for the opportunity, my friend. It is a big deal. I just love the idea that someone who subscribes to this podcast just knows me. Like, yeah, just you know, me. and that because I, like I said, I before I met you in Chicago, I felt like I knew you because I've heard, I would Isn't say, 15 hours of your show, and I've yeah. heard it on car rides, and I've heard it on. We drove to Maine once, and I listened to three of your episodes. It took us the whole trip, and you go there, and you go, Will Friedel. That was the one. That oh, you Will oh, I loved it. Loved it. What a great story. I'm telling you, as we're talking, I'm, I'm reminded more episodes that I've listened to of that of that podcast. Uh, Yakko Pinky is your handle. I love yes. that. On so Twitter, cool. it's Yakko and Pinky, all one word, all, all lowercase, uh, Ra, or rather, rather Yakko Pinky, or rather at Yakko Pinky. Facebook is Rob Paulson hyphen voice actor, P-A-U-L-S-E-N. Uh, TikTok is Rob Paulson. 311 because that's my birthday and and i um uh, somebody else had already apparently there's another guy named rob paulson so it's all one <laughs> Some other guy. rob paulson 311 on tiktok uh uh instagram is rob underscore paulson and i think that catches us up but that's i am so funny. all about that and i often respond if i don't it is because i am happily overwhelmed with the kindness of you folks out there uh, but please know that the ebullience and effusiveness that you hear from uh, Seth and I speaking is 100% authentic. And Seth can attest to that. And when we have the great good fortune to meet folks out there, uh, it will be my pleasure because just like my hero Gordy said, I have worked really hard. That's my parole officer right now. I have worked really hard for the privileged place in which I find myself. So it, the only reason I'm here is because of the audience. So thank you very much for, wow. for giving me this. Thank you for doing the work and thank you for, for, for being who you are. And just thank you for being as upstanding as you are and just thank somebody you. that I was looking forward to talking to. And you notice we didn't even talk about the, uh, the origin of Pinky's voice. And like, <laughs> yes. how many interviews have you done how many interviews have, where that didn't come up? And I just, it's fascinating. The stuff we covered is, is, is absolutely fascinating. So, you know, just to steal Rob Paulson's thunder, if there's anything in this show that you have an issue with or anything that you're questioning, do me a favor and reach out to Rob directly and leave yeah. me the hell out of it. Right. Don't bother Seth because he's got more. He, listen, more episodes to edit. Yeah, he's got plenty of work to do. Plus, he's got a lovely family and he spends his free time, such as it is, counting money. So, you know, because we know how lucrative podcasts are. And so, um, please just send your comments to yours truly. Uh, Seth is too busy deciding which Bitcoin he wants to buy. Believe it or not.